of uh, Police Off the Cuff here. We're gathered together again this Monday night, 7 p.m., for another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm with my co-host, Bill Cannon. He's my partner in all things law enforcement. Uh, what's up, Bill? How you doing, Mark? I'm so frustrated with this Facebook live streaming. It works when it wants to work, and it just sometimes it doesn't load. So I apologize to our fans. Tonight we're on... Uh, we're streaming on YouTube live. I think we got to change the name of the show to uh, Libby Lib Left Left uh, uh, <laughs> Go Left <laughs> to the Libby Lib, oh. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll we'll get right on Facebook Live every day. Yeah. And our guest tonight is back with us again. Uh, it's an honor, always a pleasure to have you. Uh, you're doing big things. I see you at the uh, at the rallies and all that good stuff. What's up, Joe Murray? How are you? Yeah. What's up, brother? How are you? Doing good. Doing good. good. You look great, man. That beard is really you, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks. A little, little COVID growth here. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, you look, you look like you're making big coin, man. You yeah, like, <laughs> you're looking like you're not missing any meals. <laughs> <laughs> I hit a and new record: three hundred and four pounds. Oh my god, man! Three hundred and four pounds. Uh -huh. oh, this is super, insane. Super heavyweight. Super duper heavyweight. And I, I think you're getting your nails done, you're getting your hair, you're getting your muscles. Oh, and just grooming me like <laughs> you saw the the uh, reservoir dog haircut I got. <laughs> it looks good. Hey, you know what? You should do the Mike Tyson uh, workout because what I think he got he ballooned up to close to three hundred pounds too. He said that he was uh, getting so sick and tired of being that heavy that once he 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 wanted to lose the weight and go back to the gym, and then once he was in the gym, he was like, "Well, I'm in shape. Let's fight." Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> They're gonna fight. I can't believe that. Roy Jones Jr. Are they yeah, gonna really fight or is it an exhibition? An exhibition, but I it's think, I think you put those two guys in the ring, you know, and they start trading leather, it, it's gonna turn into a fight. I'd hate to referee that fight, man. Yeah. You guys, listen, no hitting too hard. This that as soon as it starts, bing, bing, bang, bang, bang. Like, whoa, 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 easy. It's an exhibition. Imagine getting hit accidentally with Tyson's left. Oh my god. Oh and God. they say the last thing to go in a fighter is his power. So I'm, I'm going to be watching that unfold, you know? Yeah, I was watching uh, Roy Jones Jr. on Joe, uh, Joe Rogan. He seems pretty confident. So then I started getting nervous, uh, just like the old days. You know what? Roy yeah. Jones Jr. was a great, great fighter, man. Absolutely. And, you know, if anybody could give Tyson a hard time, you know, he's, he was always so, so fast. So he was beautiful. Yeah, we're both we lived at a time with some great, really, really great boxing. That's right. That's right. Mark, you need to get scared of something because you got the hiccups. <laughs> yeah, I know this. <laughs> we got. Does that work? Getting scared? That was. That's one of those wives' tales, right? You know what? It is? I didn't take my um, my freaking pill today for my uh, my uh, acid reflux. I forgot. Oh, shit. So it's probably like. Uh, if I don't take it, that's what starts happening. I start out. Uh, you know, Mark, I just I applied with a law firm for the 9-11 stuff. And today, Mount Sinai sent me 253 pages of my medical records. <laughs> Do you think they really want all of that? Because they sent me a two-page certification. I don't see wow. them wanting 253 pages. Send it all to them, bro. Really? Yeah, every every one of those things is another $10,000. <laughs> 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 so I'm gonna get two hundred fifty-three thousand. No, I think there's a cap. Uh, my friend, you know, my friend had cancer. It was skin cancer, and uh, he wanted he, he wound up doing okay. He got a hundred, I think probably a hundred grand. Um, and the after that, it's eighty. So 
I'm going to send in Sam, and I'm going to tell him that you can represent me, but on deck is Joe Murray. That's and then it. Get yeah. in, in my corner, sitting on the stool, is Joe That's Murray, <laughs> weighing 304. So you better get me some coin. <laughs> what do you think? You think you missed the boat on that, Joe? Would you have wanted to get down on some of that? What, the uh, 9-11? Yeah. No, I, I'm glad have, not to be involved in it. There's enough uh, painful memories that I placed. And, uh, yeah, you would have had to change your whole practice. That's a different type of practice, right? Having to relive that nonsense, you know, going you through. Were you uh, there, Joe? Yeah, I was there. At the, it was actually election day. It was the primary day, and I happened to be out. I was working on Mark Green's campaign with a bunch of other cops, and when, when the, the planes hit, you know, it hit the first tower, we were like, hmm. But uh, once the second tower got hit, you know, we all went to work. Hey, uh, refresh my memory. What was Mark's green problem again? What happened to him in the middle of that election? That 9-11. He was winning in the polls until 9-11 hit. And then America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, uh, kind of hitched his wagon to, uh, to Bloomberg, Bloomberg uh, or vice versa. And uh, that carried him uh, the day. You know, that There was no just, incident? There was no... Uh, uh, nope, no scandals, nothing. He was leading in the polls, and you know, unfortunately, that the uh, the election never went off on September 9th because of the disaster, uh, and that extra time bought him, you know, campaigning with Giuliani bought him some time and won some favor, and he won the election. But you know, some Bloomberg when when you see what we have now, he wasn't actually he was a pretty good mayor as far as fiscally, he's a genius. You know, uh, yeah, he did some good really, stuff, Bloomberg, but a little too much, you know. With no, Bloomberg's the, really a Democrat pretending to be a Republican. You know, I'm more libertarian, you know, this control. He wanted to control us and, you know, the soda ban and uh, and this, even the cigarette smoking ban. You know, I well, didn't also agree with to that. The, what he did to the nightclubs. You know, if you look at that area over there, 26, 27th Street, 11th Avenue in New York City. That's where you used to go and, and, and uh, you know, see the prostitutes back in the day. If you had nothing to do, yeah, would you drive just around? Just see them, you know. Just yeah, what would you say? you just see them, you know. Yeah, yeah, you go say hi, you know. And uh, I used to drive a car service back then. So if the radio was slow, I would just drive up and down those blocks like a degenerate all day. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he got, okay, so Giuliani got rid of all the prostitutes there. And then once the, the neighborhood became decent, they started putting all the nightclubs there because you're out of kind of the zone. And then he would go right. there with that task force, which included police, fire department, buildings, all these different codes. And they would yeah. bury poor people and they would stop the club in the middle of the, on a fucking Saturday night, you know, full packed and start looking for IDs. It was just, uh, it, it was, it was, it was a strong arm and too much gob, uh, government Gestapo bullshit. And yeah. uh, if, if look at that area now. That area now is, uh, the, none of the clubs are there anymore. Yeah. Not only that, but Chelsea's supposed to be going through a decline, just like the Upper West Side. I, I just read an article that it's Chelsea's shit right now. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I read in the, ma the mayor is looking to rezone the area for low-income housing. Uh, I don't know about Chelsea. I think it was Tribeca or somewhere down there. He wants to destroy another neighborhood with all these homeless shelters. And uh, it, it's just shocking, you know, what, what he's doing. You know what? I would be all for these homeless shelters and, and, and all this if they would just stay home. 
The thing is, they're home and then they want to go out for most of the fucking day to get high and punch people in the face. If they would just stay home, it would be great. <laughs> but, it, you know, the concentration, there's one in Queens and Glendale. I went over there, it was a protest over there, and uh, it's 200 beds of men. And you just walk around outside, it, you see all the, you know, the Thunderbird and the, you know, all the, the liquor bottles all over the place. It's too high a concentration. The neighborhood can't handle that. Right. You don't, they don't compliment the neighborhood, uh, you know, 200 in one square, you know, block. That's just insanity. But well, you like, know something, they did that on the Upper West Side. And that's the electorate that elected de Blasio twice. And now they're screaming about it. Yeah, now they're screaming bloody murder because you put a homeless shelter in right smack in the middle of the Upper West Side. We should yeah. just give them Roosevelt Island or uh, Wardside. Just give them the whole island. Let them go nuts. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have that facility there. Wards Island is it already has, you know, facilities there. You put an amusement park there. You put uh, pinball games there. They'll never leave the island. All the drugs you use a catapult to just you know cattle you throw <laughs> throw cattle over the fence just airdrop them you know. yeah electrocute the fence man <laughs> after after uh, after five p.m. electrocute the fence well, man. you know Ward's Island has that bridge the footbridge by uh, I forget what street one hundred and maybe eight or tenth street on the FDR and that's the most uh, I mean it's the best theory all they do. To close the bridge, you don't put a, a gate. They pull the bridge up so it doesn't. You close the water. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen that? No. Now no. they just pull the bridge right up, and oh my god, you can't walk across it. Whenever I boat getting on the island, if you don't take that bridge at a certain hour. Whenever I used to go to uh, Ward's Island, because we used to go to War, Ward's Island to look for people for lineups, and you take a picture of your perp. And then you bring it there and, you know, they'd all come running out and it's only 10 bucks. It just goes to show you how crazy the freaking oh, world wow. is that people, they want to jump in the van for like fish for 10 bucks. And then I, I remember looking at one dude and I said to him, uh, ah, now the guy doesn't have a beard. He goes, don't worry, I'll shave. He whips out a, a bick from his, from his pocket <laughs> and just starts dry shaving right there in the street. That cuts all over his face. I want my ten and bucks. Then, and then you're like, you don't fit the description, but I feel so bad. It's ten bucks anyway. And and, yeah. and for some reason, they never wanted to go back to the island after the lineup was done. They were all. I would drive, drop them off at like, it was one, two, five, and Lex. They all bail out right there. I don't know who was doing what over there. That's where they got their yeah. little thing, you know, the little drugs for the head. Yeah, that was a hot spot. Over there, that's where Harlem Hospital is, too, right? Is it? No, no that's one, three, like, five. There's a big methadone spot, too, over there. Yeah. Where's Harlem? It's one, three, five in Lex? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, not Lex. It's over further west. But uh, no, I'm sorry. Lennox. Lennox. Yeah, it's one, three, five. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in that hospital. Yeah, my, uh, my old three, two days. I was there for uh, a brief period. there for a cup of coffee. Who are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> a brief period in 95. You didn't even have time to put milk in the coffee. During, during that whole debacle of my career. Hey, um, let me ask you a question. I see you going to a lot of rallies. I also see that um, yes. the sentiment around the country, you know, even though there's still protests going on in, in uh, Portland and, and, and Minnesota, yeah, Portland, um, in Seattle, I think they're still doing a lot of protests. But other than that, um, it seems like the, the tide has turned. There's a lot of people coming out for these rallies. Yes. What, what, how do you feel? 
I feel great about it. As you know, when I ran for district attorney, I was a Democrat. I've been a Democrat, you know, most of my uh, voting life. Uh, and I switched parties. I walked away after that ridiculous, unconstitutional impeachment, which just was so offensive to me. Uh, uh, that was the last straw, but I was really dis, you know, dissatisfied with the direction the Democratic Party was going in. I used to be uh, vice president of my local club here. I was, I was counsel to the McManus uh, Midtown Democratic Club. So I was very much involved in politics, but then I kind of pulled back because they, they seem to have lost their minds with the way they're going. But I'm happy to see that there is a growing wave of people who are standing up now finally to say enough. We've had enough of this madness. And, you know, when you look at de Blasio, he won his election with, I think it was 11% of the vote. Nobody came out, nobody voted. Everyone stayed home. They were just disgusted. The voter apathy in New York is terrible. But I see it now, as you pointed out at these rallies that we have. In the beginning, we had these pro-police rallies. 50 people would come out. There would be a counter-protest of Black Lives Matter. There'd be a fight in the street. They were trying to suppress the support the police rallies. Now these support the police rallies and Trump rallies are in the thousands and there are no counter protests. Like they're not even trying to. Well, the guy got killed the other day. Where? The, the guy who uh, went to the uh, pro police rally, he was, uh, he was with his son and he, he maced, uh, supposedly the guy was supposed to be secure. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about New York. No, no, no. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Which, you know, I have mixed feelings about that. You're gonna mace a guy who has a gun I mean, you know, that bothers me. Did he me. see the gun first? Or I don't he... know if he saw it or not, but Jesus, you know? I, don't think, I, 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 I mean, it doesn't make sense that he saw it first, but um, it, still, it's just... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I still don't think it was justified anyway. You know, you don't <laughs> shoot someone for macing you. I don't... I, I mean, the that. other way around, the other way around, that's uh, that's a BLM protester and that's a, a, yeah. a Blue Lives Matter uh, guy shooting. And that's a whole different story. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's the truth. You know, it's not even, you know, like I haven't heard of that story in the last three days. But, you know, I'm just talking locally because we're a blue state, a blue uh -huh. city. I think it, the tide is turning. I think a lot of people, now I used to be a Democrat and a lot of my Democrat friends are telling me like kind of, you know, quietly, I, I'm voting Republican. I'm, I've, yeah, had yeah. With this. I've had it I, with this nonsense. I used to be so, a Republican. Now I'm a real, real, real Republican. <laughs> <laughs> now you're a roaring, rancid <laughs> Republican when, now. When you do comedy, you know, most of the comics are all uh, liberal. You know, yeah, blind, yeah, yeah. blind liberals. Well, blind, yeah. Anything in their life, it's liberals. You know, you well, know the saddest part of this is to watch the moderate Democrats that I used to like. I used to like Tom Swazi. I actually campaigned for him when he ran against Spitzer for governor. But to look at what he's doing, he's selling us out right down the river. He's buying into all this nonsense. He actually cast his vote for statehood for washington dc yeah because they, they don't care they just want because they, they know washington dc 
is heavy duty blue. Yeah. That's why they don't give a shit about Washington, D.C. I mean, I just looked at his voting record and all the stuff he's voting for nonsense. And I'm like, where, what happened to you? Well, I think it's your integrity. If you want to stay, if you want to stay working, you've got to kind of sort of go with the, the flow. And that seems to be like everybody's scared. Well, the moderates, are, you know, there's no room for a moderate right now. Well, look what they're doing. Look, what what is her name? The uh, the senator in the Judiciary Committee who hugged Lindsey Graham. Who was that? That was uh, Warren, I think, right? No. Uh, oh. Pocahontas, he used to call her. Is no, that- no. Who was it? Oh, I, I forget her name. They want to now kick her out. She yeah. hugged him and said, hey, we had a good, you know, a good exchange. They want it. It's this cancel culture. They want to what about Feinstein? you. What about Feinstein? Well, that's what I'm talking about. Feinstein. Yeah. Well, she said, uh, well, Barrett was, uh, you know, during the confirmation hearing, whatever question she asked her. I mean, this this Amy Barrett, she's she's like an encyclopedia. I mean, you basically like, yeah, yeah. yeah no, he, instead of going to Google, you, she don't even need Google. If, you, if she's your friend, fuck Google. Just go to her. She knows everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. She's reciting like. And I'm talking about layers of law, layers of law on top. And then finally Feinstein goes, wow, that was really impressive. And because she said that, um, she's being dragged through, like you said. Yes, they want to cancel her. They've done with her. A whole, you know, record of liberal uh, representation, the entire career that she's had. They want to kill her for that. Well, look at Ellen. Amazing. Look look at Ellen DeGeneres, right? Think about this, okay? She made a comment a couple of years ago about sitting next to Bush at a game and talking to him and said, you know, whatever, he's a human being. And uh, I forget what her statement was, but that pissed everybody off, right? Uh, On the left. And then all of a sudden, she's got a big problem with her show. She never retracted her statement. And all of a sudden, she's got a big problem that I never heard about with all the people on her show or dissatisfied or the people that have to deal with her show. And that became, you see what happened to her. She almost yeah. lost her show. If you look back, maybe it has to do with that. They're just constantly um, trying to cancel people. It's incredible. And they will turn on you in a half a second. You know, you, you may be the hero of the day. I remember leading up to the Supreme Court uh, confirmation hearing. They kept showing her 2017 questioning of, of uh, Judge Barrett and like she was going to be the hero this time. No, no, you, know what, just... no what, you know what I want to say about that? I, well, look, we know the history of it. They they wouldn't, Obama appointed that guy Merritt Garland. Yeah. And they wouldn't put him through. Right. You know, the, uh, the shoe's on the other foot and Trump has one more pick during his term which is another four four five months long you don't think if the shoe was on the other foot the democrats would be doing the same exact thing the exact same thing but here's my problem with this whole thing i think merrick merrick garland should have gotten a hearing the constitution requires that and the fact that they didn't give him a hearing that's something that the voters are going to hold them to task for and that's the way our process is set up, or they could have perhaps filed a writ, you know, a mandamus to compel them to have a hearing because it's it's a constitutional requirement. But that fight should have been fought then. They can't yeah. now say because we let that go, you 
you know, oh, I saw on this one. You can't do that. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but you're talking about a very specific type of person that would remember that far back. Most of the people that are on uh, uh, are talking shit on, on social media all day and every single day. They couldn't tell you what happened back then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they're willing to look over every single uh, lie. You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, you know, we got this whole thing with the laptop right now. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and here's the theory. I, I want to run it past you because yeah. um, that story would have never gained any traction because we're split on where we get our uh, our news from. Oh, facts. Depending on where yeah. you flow politically. Facts. But now that Facebook and Twitter decided that they weren't going to let you share those articles, now it became national news and they're going to sit in front of the Senate next week. And guess what we're going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about everything that happened in those emails right. and pictures are going to come out and people who never would have ever seen this stuff is going to see it. it and we already totally know that backfired. You're we exactly already, right. We already know, like when you say backfired and I'm thinking to myself, okay, listen, anybody knows anything knows that Facebook leans, right? Yeah. Facebook is for older people, our age. And that's why you see all these conservative things. It's all about advertisement, right? Right, right, Twitter right. was going under before Trump decided to use it for uh, the 2016 election. They were oh, literally no, going. Facebook doesn't lean right. Facebook puts on the screen what your political views are by seeing what your algorithm is. If they well, think you look, Mayo is conservative, that's the shit you're going to see. Well, it just, well oh, but the thing is. Zuckerberg is a total leftist. Are you okay? You say, yeah, but I think what he's saying is like the, the, the clientele that use Facebook are more conservative. If you look at the ads that are being run on Facebook and the money being spent, it's overwhelmingly a daily caller, Fox News. That's where people our age go basically to get their news, right? But like, you're going to see that because the algorithm from Mark DeMeo has told them that you're, you're I'm talking about overall numbers, though. I'm not talking yeah. about. Listen, here's my point. My point is this. No matter what, whether these guys lean left or how far they lean, advertising dollars and getting rich, okay? So you could say whatever you want. Um, I have a feeling like these guys, they're looking for those advertisement dollars and planning for the future. And um, it just it just seems, it strikes me as kind of odd that they would make such a big deal out of this story right and then block it because now all anybody's going to be talking about starting next week when they go to the senate is this story and if you didn't know about the story now you do and now you're going to look into it and trust me they've hold they've held on to this story since 2019 december i okay? don't know why though why do you think well, they held that because so, so they can drop this is my theory okay so they can drop it now prior to an election and but it's only gonna even though it was relevant to this whole impeachment debacle. Well, because if you're going to we didn't know who we were going to get as a candidate. You know what I'm saying? Now that Biden, I'm sure they had ammunition like that on everybody. But now we got so we got Biden and they're sitting around and on a, and a calendar somewhere. They have exactly what they're going to drop on what day. And now we see a picture with him in bed out cold with a crack pipe. We see his, <laughs> we, did, you see his that picture. did you see his little teeth before he got his teeth done? Oh, no, I didn't see that. I don't even know if that one's real, man. I can't believe that was real. All his fucking teeth are chopped up, tiny little teeth, like a fucking junkie. And then the next picture you see, he's got a whole rack of beautiful teeth. Watch when he got the 3.5 million from that Russian president's wife. I'm not even talking about this guy did drugs. I'm talking about he was a straight up fucking junkie, man. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about a junkie that has access to the vice president 
and uh, the vice president loves his kid and he's going to try to help his kid out. He doesn't understand how hooked his fucking son is on drugs. And he's flying on Air Force Two or whatever, three or four or five, whatever it's called. He's flying on that plane with his father to do business deals. You know, I I, I don't like to ever laugh at or ridicule somebody's addiction because I have so many clients and friends and family that are affected by it. But you're so right, though, that he is should never have been in the position of power that he was in when he himself is so compromised and his father being just by virtue of being his father is compromised. It just can only lead to bad things. Now watch so. this. If, if, if what I'm saying is true, I don't know when they're doing that Senate thing where they're going to sit them both down again. Um, but I get two days prior to, after, before that, right. there's going to be another little, because there's going to be tidbits dropping, e- new emails dropping like every two days. And then when they sit down at the Senate, um, even if you, people are going to watch, people are going to watch and they're going to want to go, how did all this happen? And these guys are going to get another slap on the wrist and they're going to go back to doing what they're doing. Cause the first time the guy from Twitter sat down there, what happened? Nobody's scared. him. Imagine not being scared of the government. Whenever yeah. the freaking government came back to you, came after you in the, in the past, you knew you were fucked. There was yeah. no way to get this guy's still going against the government. Yeah, so he's got to know something. He's got to know he's not in trouble. Yeah, but the other problem is if the FBI has this laptop, what are they doing? Do you trust the FBI? Nope. I don't either. I mean, to say that too is a is a heavy duty statement. I don't trust the FBI at all. You know, this yeah. clown Comey that was the you know the director before. I mean, I mean uh, the, like the, the individual agents like us, I I, I would trust them a hundred percent, but. The administration and the the political figureheads there, the, the deep state is alive and well. And I would have laughed at that last year if you were telling me that. But seeing it unfold in that you know report that was released, and you know a, a, a an attorney for the FBI doctored an email right. in a material way and presented it to a judge. If you would have told me that last year, I would have laughed at you and said, yeah, right. Well, do you remember when Trump first got elected? He said, my phones at Trump Tower were, were tapped. Everyone's like, yeah. he's crazy. He's out of his mind. Yeah. He was, well, he was right. They were tapped. He was. He was right. Everything, everything that he said in the beginning was 100% on point. You know, I read an article years ago from uh, a female. I forget who it was, obviously. but um, And she was talking about who did he pick to be the the... Not Comey, the other guy, the, the head of the FBI. Um, that was losing his mind the last time he had to sit there. Uh, oh, uh, Rosenstein? No, the, no, no. The, um, oh, the, Strzok? No, the head, the, the head guy. Comey was the head. All right. Was it Comey? Okay, yeah. so let's say, just say it's Comey. Yeah. The tall, the really tall guy. That's yeah, six, yeah that's Jim that's Comey. Comey. So um, she made a point, and I remember reading this about that he hated Obama and that he had that meeting with, um, with Trump and uh, they, uh, they hatched this whole thing out. I, I don't know. It just, it resonates to me because I never, I don't see any accidents happening with these people. We're talking about the most brilliant people in the world. Uh, you pick your side, I pick mine. Yeah. And uh, it just seems like 
the Trump side is running circles around the Democrats. We'll see what happens with this election, but it seems like he's the roadrunner. They're the wildly e. coyote. Right. And they keep trying to drop that metal. You remember that metal fucking the anvil, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. anvil on him. They keep missing. They keep trying. Everybody looks older and uh, and weather beaten, except for Trump. Right. Fucking guy kicks COVID's ass. Kicks COVID's ass. Fucking... 74 years old. Cuts <laughs> it off. <laughs> no, you know something? I wanted to also ask you, because I know you're involved in this. Yeah. What's going on? with the litigation against I did not Biden. have sexual relations what <laughs> no what, what am i about <laughs> so i said what's going on with the litigation against the diaphragm law you know i i gotta tell you that i don't to be perfectly honest i'm not sure what's happening with the litigation but that is should be the single biggest issue for any of these city council races because that is so dangerous. It incentivizes fighting police officers. Yes. And I, I had a case recently. I was in the 7-7. It was a gun case. I went down there, met with the cop, and I'm talking to him. And just like kidding around, I was like, you know, I said, Mike, I would have ran. I mean, you would have had to let him go, right? Because this diaphragm, he goes, no joke. I mean, we, we don't play with that. So, you know, here's a guy that had a gun. All he had to do was put up a fight because you can't grab them anymore. You can't restrain them or restrict them because it's not just even the criminal aspect. You'll be sued civilly. It's a private right of action. Well, you know, Joe, it's you know what I saw? I just saw, um, there was an article about Billy Dunn, a great detective from the 2-3 squad who made that arrest on the guy who did a homicide 40 years ago. It was in the Delhi News. Oh, I missed that. Anyway, as I was searching his name, his disciplinary record came up on Google. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, this guy is like a saint. We used to call him Father Dunn. His disciplinary and that oh, he was my God. Up, I was like, this is outrageous. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know where we're going with that. I think it, it's going to have, I think it's going to have a double-edged effect. On one end, the police administration and the district attorneys, they're going to realize you got to stop disciplining these guys for nonsense yeah. because it's hurting us. It's public and everyone will have it. So that may be a good effect of it. But, you know, the bad side of it is I know this from talking to, to other police officials, not just cops. They're terrified of this, you know, like just. Put it to yourself, uh, let's just say someone made, Bill, you're a boss in the squad and a, and a female detective makes a sexual abuse complaint against you. Do you want your wife to see that? Your family, your, your kids, you, wanna, you know, like it's such a deterrence when, you, when you're putting that out there. The litigation for 50A, I think clear cut, unless it's a founded allegation that should never be disclosed. A founded allegation, I think we have to have that out there. If it's a, a material um, issue that you know affects your ability as a police officer, credibility-wise, and and your performance, I think we have to. In this yeah, day but, and age, we have know, to. Well, well, Joe, look, look at the standard they're holding cops to. Meanwhile, politicians lie forty times a day. <laughs> they all inside a trade too. How did Pelosi get to be worth a hundred million dollars? And I'm not just saying Democrats; Republicans do it too. 
Absolutely. They're inside trade. How do they get so wealthy in politics, making 175000 a year, 10 years later, always oh, worth $50 million. How did that happen? My, my argument for a lot of this is, okay, you want to take away qualified immunity from police officers? Then take it away from judges, yes. district attorneys who have absolute immunity. Take it away from judges who have absolute immunity. Take it away from politicians. Take it away from de Blasio. So when I sue him, he can't hide behind it. And Cuomo, he can't hide behind it. You want to take it away just cops? That's not fair. And if your logic about sunlight and accountability holds any water, then it should apply to everyone across the board. Well, for some reason, it doesn't. They don't want that. When you talk about even doctors or dentists, if they get a bad, uh, you know, rating online, it hurts their practice. And it could have been, a, a, you know, a, a customer or a patient that was pissed at them for some reason. So they just, you know, they give them a bad rating. That can really destroy their uh, credibility. That's like a great guy- example. And OPMC, Office of Professional Medical Conduct, actually maintains a website about founded disciplinary actions against doctors and lawsuits, but only lawsuits where they lost. And they'll put in a bracket, it was an above average settlement or a low settlement. You know, they, they kind of tamper it a little bit. But I think, so I think sunlight is good. Inherently, it's good to hear about. I would love to know if some judge, you know, had several sexual abuse complaints and has this uh, bias towards women now. You know, I would love to know that. Uh, or prosecutor or something. So, but why only cops? Why are they only holding cops to this tremendous standard that what the the, the effect of that is going to be, you're not going to get people to want to be police officers. It's just not going to happen. Or the quality of people who are going to say, do I want a, a, a career ending uh, you know, incident to happen to me that will ruin my life in this cancel culture. Right. There are a lot of people that are just opting out. My daughter took New York City, Nassau County, and Suffolk. She got called by the city, but she's in her last semester at Adelphi University. She's getting her BSN, her nursing degree. So she deferred. She had 95 on the Suffolk test. I was praying. <laughs> yeah, so I would be so happened. proud of my daughter to be a police officer. I, I, I just think it's such an honorable profession. It would scare the shit out of me. I'd probably follow her around on patrol. <laughs> but I don't want her to be a police officer now in this day and age. You know what's even, funny? Even Suffolk that? County, I don't want it. Here's what's funny that you mentioned that, that all the fucking, when you think about the uh, the, the, the cops that are out there right now, most of them have at least 60 credits and a lot of them are college graduates. So now you're standing there, who knows who you are, but you're yelling in this college graduates face. Now they're not blue collar guys. They're not like me who got, you know, had a a high school diploma, a couple credits in uh, college. Um, But you're yelling at a, you're yelling at a college graduate right now in their face, cursing at him, telling that you hope their, their wives and their children die and you're spitting on them. And you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? You're throwing shit at him. That's a college graduate that has to take that. Who's talking to his friend that just got a job somewhere over at Merrill Lynch and talking about, yeah, we're going for a, a, you know, a nice lunch today, a martini lunch. And you're like, what the fuck did I do? What did I do? Why did I take this career 
in, in criminal justice right now. So it, it, these people have the wrong mind. They're not, you know, they're, they're attacking the police, but they're, they're attacking, especially in these metropolises, college graduates. Yes. Yep. Nobody ever takes that in mind. It's so unforgiving, this, this job, you know, and now what they're doing to cops. And I, and I just don't understand the logic. They want us as police officers. I keep saying us and retired almost 20 years. They want police officers to look at the community in a more forgiving way. Oh, he's just a kid. Oh, why do you have to arrest him? Why do you have these? Give him another chance. People are getting arrested over and over again. Oh, give him another chance. Why is it different for police officers that you want to crucify them? They had 15, 18 years of a great career. They make one mistake. Why isn't that philosophy applicable? Where's the teaching and learning moment for the officer? Well, here's the thing, Mr. Cop of the Month, Mr. Community Policing, when they come from out of state to protest over here, nobody knows who you are. You could be in your command. They happen to be protesting in your command, but they don't real they don't know who you are. They don't, oh, that's the guy who, you know, you know, delivered my baby. Everybody knows that guy. Oh, that's the guy who plays basketball with us. You know, or the female officer that helps out, whichever way, you know, that they, they, they don't know that because they're coming from out of town. And that's the problem with these with these anarchists and that nobody's been able to grasp. It's yeah. just that it looks worse than it is. The reality is, is that a lot of these police officers are really, really good in their community. And uh, and they're being forced to work these overtime tours. And now somebody's throwing a brick at him and they don't deserve it. Yeah. Because That's the people that, that, are, that are inciting this stuff, they have no connection to the community. The amount of restraint that I see on these videos and the police officers, people getting in their faces and- Because they're college graduates. I don't think they should have to be that restrained. They should, they, they I shouldn't really have don't. to. Yeah. Someone gets in your, I, could, I wouldn't let someone get in my face. It's not safe. It's no. not safe. You're, you're endangering me. They're breathing coronavirus in your face, right? And you're supposed to take coronavirus. But on top of that, when somebody's crowding your personal space, we have a lot of weapons and tools on us. You know, everybody carried a knife. Or, you know, you, you may have a second gun, a belly band, something. Mm -hmm. I don't want somebody up on me like that. You know, I don't think you should have to allow that. Well, that's a difference to police officers too right now because you're not getting these guys coming right out of the military after a war um you know you're getting these college graduates and they they're reluctant anyway and now they're getting hit in the head with bricks yeah. and like like what the fuck am i supposed to do right now this isn't in my nature it's not in my culture that's not why i came on a job why are you attacking me and you don't recognize these people they're not from the neighborhood and they just go from town to town disrupting like that well they were anyway um, now it's kind of sort of a uh, it has calmed down, but I, I noticed in Queens uh, last week, they had, uh, I think it was Maspeth, there were these Black Lives Matter protesters going around, pulling flags off of people's like porches and lighting them on fire in the street. How is that even possible? And I see that there's a police escort. How are they not being arrested? Right, right. The very larceny, criminal mischief, it's something. Well, Joe, because nationally, the whole posture was to let them do whatever the hell they wanted to do. Yep, let and them bend. That was set right in the beginning. Instead of stopping them right in the beginning, they let them do whatever the hell they wanted to. Now, how do you stop it? You know, de Blasio said, 
let's have a soft touch. A soft touch. And yeah, I never saw one mounted officer. Did you see I, any I, mounted? How about helicopters? An old helicopter. Drones. You could follow, because a lot of times they use diversionary tactics. They would cause some shit here, and then the whole big group would go somewhere else. Yeah. Drones could have followed them. Helicopters could have followed them. They didn't even use them. I used to laugh at the training they got. I used to laugh because they used to put a, a Antifa training, you know, like they're learning karate in the park and stuff. And it was funny to watch them fight, you know. But now you, you, you see how it's escalated and how the continuous training. And now they're forming flanks. They flank on the both sides of the police and then they come up behind them. So they're, they're, they're doing, you know, they practice this kind of stuff, you know, the same way that we used to practice our uh, stuff. And uh, it's... <laughs> But if the police want to stop them, they have the ability, they have the tools, they have the wherewithal, but politically they're stopped from doing it. And you know what? This is deja vu for, I don't know, you guys were probably there too, when we had on the Dinkins the uh, Crown Heights riots. <laughs> and Lee Brown was our police commissioner, and we, we took a couple of blocks, restored order, and then all of a sudden we were retreating, backing up. Okay, give them space, back them up. I was like, give them space. What, who made this order? You know? said, let them vent. That's very. Let simple. them vent. That's but that's let when we first heard them. that. That was ninety one, right? When that ninety two, yeah. Let them vent. And you know who took that Crown Heights back? Oh, Chief Louis Adamone. 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 Inspector at the time. In fact, oh no, shit. Yeah, it was an Salvaggi was the chief of patrol or chief of the. Salvaggi, yeah. And yeah. Salvaggi said, jumped over all the chiefs and said, "Bring Adamone." And Adamone took Crown Heights back. Yeah. But even like if you look at Tompkins Square Park, where that was a shit show and it got out of hand right away, they called an 85 citywide. We all came racing down to the park and put that down. The helicopter was just right over the treetops. It was, you know, scouting <laughs> everyone out. When the shit hit the fan, the chief said, "Oh, I don't know. I, I went to I, I went to the bathroom." He was in the bathroom. <laughs> I remember that. He didn't want to take responsibility. For I was in the bathroom. Yes, and he was like, "I was in the men's room." I didn't but see. it was put down, contained. It didn't go any further that night. We can do it. We've done it. Even Crown Heights, but then we just backed off. I remember retreating. Just recently, took back City Hall. That was beautiful. Yes. They just I think that in. was because Trump threatened to send in federal officers if they yeah. don't do it. There was some other issue going on there, and all of a sudden they took back City Hall. Well, the idea think of how a mayor like de Blasio can set back a city 30 years. I mean, it took 30 years to drop crime to the level it was before that jackass became mayor. And in such a short time, he's reversing it. Well, look I agree. At I agree that de Blasio is doing this, but he's not alone. There's no, a lot of these crazy too. leftists in the city council. When I was campaigning, I it, my mind was blown because I sat in on that subcommittee hearing and I heard them. There were eight or nine of them on the land use subcommittee and they were voting whether or not to send it to the full council, the closing of Rikers Island. And I was watching them just patting each other on the back, but the, the whole ideology behind it was decarceration. They were saying this is the first step to closing all jails and all prisons because people don't belong in cages. So when I hear people today saying 
defund the police is really not defund the police. Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. They don't want police corrections. They don't want it. They want chaos. They want people to run free and we will adjudicate our own, you know. So basically uh, the community is your prison. The community. So it's it's yeah. community corrections. Community corrections. You're, you're right. Gonna have, you're going to have an That is the terminology. Or you got to see your parole officer or your probation officer twice a week or whatever. That's it's your counselor. Of- it's your counselor because they also said there is no such thing as criminals. Yeah. They're victims. Yeah. They're victims. They need to be held and hugged and get treatment and programs. They don't believe that people can actually be evil. Criminals. Well, look at this too. If you own an apartment in the city, and let's say the value of it is a uh, million dollars. Um, now, all of a sudden, you, you know, you're fleeing, you're putting it up for sale and you put it up for a million five. Now you're at 95. A month from now, you're going to be at 85. Uh, you probably sell it for 75, maybe 70. So now you have all these people sitting on money that are buying up these apartments right now. Right. So what do we have right now? We had a change of money. Of, of real estate, whether whoever has the money. We're, 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 and that's what's happening, man. I work in the city. I see it every day. People bailing out in droves, selling yeah. their apartments are. Well, Mark, you know what's going to happen is if the money people that went to Montauk, went to the Hamptons, went upstate, went to wherever, if they don't come back, this city's going to be like a third world country because He's that's what makes the city work. The big money people, not the people that need all these different programs. That's that's these people are the ones who are funding it. You know. Yeah, a lot of these apartments, though, they go to uh, their kids. You know, the kids are in college. I'll get them an apartment, and then I'll hold on to it. Maybe I'll sell it afterwards. It'll go up. If you're a businessman, that's the kind of stuff. Business person, that's the kind of stuff you do. You know what I'm saying? You get an apartment for your kid. You pay the, the, the million bucks, it'll be worth a million ten when I'm done, when they finish college. But the problem is, if the kids finish, the kids came home right now. So there's a lot of people who are going to hold on to their apartments, but there's a lot of people who don't need them. They're just going to sell them, and they're going to sell them at a loss. And then there's new people that are going to come in and buy this stuff up. Who knows who they are? They obviously have money, but um, they're going to buy this, this stuff for a lot, lot cheaper. Real, uh, commercial real estate is... You're gonna you're gonna be able to buy it at a fucking penny because nobody want nobody's gonna be in these places anymore. You can sign yeah, a thirty year lease, and plus it breaks up down that whole monopoly about um, property value. What I can hold on to my real estate because the guy next door to me got a certain amount of money. At some point, every every block is gonna be desolate. They're gonna have to break that law, and people are just gonna go hog wild buying businesses. So you're gonna have people that normally wouldn't be able to afford the business. You can have new millionaires. It's a change of money. It's a change of money. I, you know, no. It took 10 years for the city, at least 10 years, for the city yeah. to come back from 9-11. Right. This is much worse than 9-11. Yeah. This is a prolonged pandemic that's yeah. has decimated the restaurant industry, has decimated the real estate industry, and has made the top uh, money earners flee the city. So good luck to this jackass, de Blasio, or who's ever the next mayor, bringing this city back. They need another Giuliani, and he's not in the wings right now. 
Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see, you know, Casamitidi is a billionaire. I'd love to have his money. Uh, I, well, I podcast. Don't see anything well, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't see anything excitable about him. He's not out there doing anything, showing me anything that, that he could do to reverse this. There's no passion in it. Curtis Sliwa, I like him. He's an intelligent guy. I remember him back when I was in Midtown North. I, I had 46th Street, Restaurant Row. That was his headquarters. So I like what he does, but he comes off as goofy. And, you know, I, I don't think he's a serious guy. I don't think people take him serious. Uh, Bill Pepitone, I met him a couple of times. I like him, but we haven't really had you know, in-depth conversations about what, in fact, his platform is, you know, outside of law and order, which I think you can't have anything without law and order and public safety, yeah, nothing. Yeah. You know, what good is the school being a great school if you're going to get shot on the way there, you know? Uh, your business, the same way. How do you have a business or a great restaurant and you park your car and you come out and it's on crates? I think I think uh, Slee was going to take it, and I, I tell you why, because not only is he going to be mayor during the day, but at nighttime he's going to put that beret on and go fuck people up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I guarantee you, if he gets elected, he will be on the subway. I guarantee with, you with his beret. I guarantee you that the mayor of New York City will be making collars. He'll be choking people out. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, after- you know, listen, I, I would do it for that. I mean, if that's what you want and that's what the public wants, I'll be that guy, you know? I'll make dollars. <laughs> so after the Crown Heights riots, he got up there and he spoke to thousands of his, his seeds. And I was there. And he made up a story on the spot. He was saying, I was walking down Eastern Parkway and I was jumped by six or seven thugs and they were giving me a cement yeah. sandwich, you know? And he says, and who came to my rescue? The Hasidim. And he was so full of shit. He made the story yeah. right on the spot. That, that's part of his baggage. He does have a, uh, he's very creative in some of his stories. Oh, I love know. the Hasidim though, man. What they're doing in Brooklyn, man. God bless him, man. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. makes me so happy. The schools are closed. You see all the kids running, coming in and out of school. And they, 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 they um, they, uh, that, that park that they locked up and they kept cutting the lock off. And then you're not supposed I love it, man. You know what it is? They're so insulated, okay? Yeah. What are you bothering yeah. these people for? Right. You don't, you right. don't even realize, like, for example, B&H is closed, and so is the Diamond District. So they're all home anyway. Leave them alone. <laughs> they don't travel far. They stay in their community. Once you close B&H, you just shut down 100,000 of them. They're not coming into the city anymore. You ever go to B&H? No. You never went to BNH campus? No. Huh? Oh, you got to see it. It's amazing. They got this fucking thing that if you, when you order something, right, they have a, a thing on the, uh, in, the, in the ceiling. It's a, it's a chute. And whatever you ordered, it comes down that chute. You can see your VCR. You can oh, see no. the TV oh, coming wow. down there. Yeah, you can see your camera. Yeah, it's, the place is amazing. And on Fridays, at, somewhere around 2 o'clock, because they got to get home, uh, you know, for um, the thing. The, all the yellow buses come and they all come out a, a thousand of them and they I get love, I love the, the mitzvah tank. <laughs> what? There's a, a bus called the mitzvah tank. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they, they, they come go out. and pray and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah they, they all come out uh, at the same time. They shut BNH down 
And they all go back to Brooklyn, man. I love that community. I think if every community, you know, they help each other. Everything they do, I, you know, in the seventh precinct, I'd see them on Delancey Street waiting to get over the bridge to go over to Brooklyn, and uh, another car would pull over. They jump in, like they they help each other. It's, uh, I think it's very positive. Yo, Cuomo's crazy to mess with them because what's a hook, Paul? A hook? Yeah. A rabbi. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're crazy to mess with them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but he's a moron, that guy anyway. I, you know, when I heard that if Biden gets elected, he's going to appoint him as an attorney general, I think I'm going to become a federal criminal because he couldn't <laughs> find a collar in a shirt factory, that guy. He's a moron. Maybe you'll know? find a federal bridge to name after Matilda. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, so he's going to Mario. Now he needs a Matilda Cuomo bridge. He goes, well, you know, he goes out of his way to sound like an idiot, that guy. He really does. I mean, uh, some of the stuff he says. You know what I uh, love? I love the, also the left is always like, you got to be smart. You got to use science. They use science as long as it doesn't go against their ideology. Then science isn't used too much. But, you know, they keep changing the metric. First, it was, oh, the emergency. The basis for the emergency was hospital space, bed space. That was the, the emergency and why we needed to shut down things. They were canceling other non-essential medical procedures to empty the hospitals. That was the focus. And we did have a lot of deaths. I think a lot of them were, were bullshit. They were, you know, COVID deaths that really weren't COVID deaths. But anyway, we put, we trumped up our numbers, uh, pardon the pun. And then uh, we changed the metric. Then it became, you know, instead of deaths, hospital space and then he changed the metric about you know the nursing homes you weren't allowed to release them from the hospital until they tested negative and so that artificially kept the hospital beds higher and then after that was gone and now the bed space are low now we're up to testing and the tests are not accurate they're not 100 percent accurate some of them are, are, are terribly inaccurate but you know they're they're using this metric to force us into this lockdown. I'm dying to file another lawsuit because I really do think we've crossed the line here. What and, happened to the well, lawsuit of the guy with the nightclub on Long Island? I, oddly enough, we filed. I think it was May 26, our TRO, temporary restraining order, and on May 29th or 23rd, 26, it was three days later. The U.S. Supreme Court decided the case of uh, South Bay Pentecostal Church versus California. They were doing the exact same thing. They were challenging the executive orders by the governor, and they ruled against us. I think it was a 6-3 decision. And on top of that, John Roberts, the chief justice, wrote a separate concurring opinion, and it essentially read that seven unelected judges should not interfere in the elected governor's response to a global pandemic. So he essentially was talking to us. You know? So he essentially so, appointed the governor king. Yeah, the king, king Cuomo. Yeah. So it, it would but be unethical for us to proceed at that point. But subsequent to that, there's so much more data and science about what's happening and you know, the, the flu is more, you know, it, it's more harmful, I should say, because 
we know who COVID affects. It affects the, the elderly, or if you're immunocompromised, or you, you know you have diabetes. If you have I mean, some other trouble, did, does, yeah. uh, does John Roberts write that on behalf of the Supreme Court, or is he just speaking as a, a an individual Supreme Court justice? He is. One, he's the chief justice, so he's writing on behalf of the court. Okay. But but each judge is entitled to their own opinion. So he voted with the rest of them. So whoever was the author of that opinion, I don't know, writes the opinion and they all agree with it. They vote on it. But because of his, his wanting to clarify his vote, he wrote a separate opinion. And that's where he spelled this out. And once he did that, he kind of, you know, cut, cut I get off. it though, I get it though. Yeah, I get it though, because legally, Maybe it should be up to the end. Well, it kind of it backfired in a way because, you know, all these people wanted to show how crazy the country was getting under Trump. But then it backfired because then it became, like you said, the individual leaders. So in hindsight, that ruling might have actually worked in favor because now you're leaving it up to the individual governors and the mayors of their particular cities, taking the pressure off the federal government. So now you're 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 held accountable for what's going on as a governor. That's exactly what he said. He said, I, "I'm leaving it to the state, the governor. The governor has the authority, and the governor has destroyed us here in New York." Well, but 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 he destroyed us here in New York. But overall, as as a country, mm-hmm. as a nation, we're looking at these blue states now, yep. and how they couldn't handle it. They can't. They so can't. or they chose or they chose not to handle it. And that's working against them right now, because a lot of people who uh, even like were moderate Democrats, like you said, um, now all of a sudden they're like, I had a business in this community. I own a home in this community. And now I can't get these people out of my community. They don't live here. They're destroying everything. Um, So and my governor is not doing anything. I don't want this guy anymore. My mayor is not doing anything. So it wound up actually that ruling, like you said, initially was uh was hurtful on its appearance but in reality it it, it could have swayed an election right now it, it points blame it, it shows where responsibility is you know but i think what's good too especially with supreme court jurisprudence the more people that are filing these actions the more people that are, are challenging it i mean we were i think the first to really take on the governor of new york anyway but there are so many more being filed for different theories. The big restaurant one, uh, billion dollar uh, judgment they're looking for. The more that people are filing and challenging, I think it's better. And they look at it and they see, okay, our elected officials may be acting on our behalf, but so many of the electorate are opposing it. So they got there has to come a time where they look at that and now start weighing that, you know, and, and it's personal freedoms, <clears throat> in my opinion. You know, if you're afraid and you're elderly and you're concerned about you contacting COVID, stay home. If I own a business, a strip club, it's a non-essential business, don't come. But my clients who wanna be there, who, you know- Consider it essential. Consider it essential to their lives and a happy marriage or whatever, whatever, whatever their reason, Yo, let the, them come. I'm more literally, literally, let them come. <laughs> <laughs> you 
be pretty. Sure. Thank God it's not. <laughs> guys, they need to come. And they guys. do. They're gonna take the dollars. You know, they got that sweet old. You know, they, they need to come, man. Car. I they want to twenty dollars. You know, you're gonna swipe the card. You can't be throwing. Can't make it rain with the money. You know. Yeah, you got. You yeah, know, I get the money. I've, not, I've seen it. I've never. You know. You figure. Oh, you figure the whole. So money. You're that big attorney. Let me have a swipe of that gold press <laughs> card. Oh shit! But it's true. Come on, it's a strip club. You don't have to come there. And their logic is, yeah, but you're gonna contract it or give it to someone who's gonna go home and give it to someone else. You know what? If I live with an elderly person, then I will make arrangements to protect that person, or that person can make arrangements and say, "Look, he's living too risky a lifestyle. I don't want to be here." Well, I mean, I this is all say, personal freedoms at stake. Nobody did this during the AIDS epidemic. We were all cops during the AIDS epidemic. AIDS was rampant. It was striking people down left and right. I never saw any legislation or executive orders mandating testing, mandating contraception. Well, actually, you know, though, they, they did shut all the, the uh, gay clubs. They weren't completely shut down. I mean, there were sex clubs. They shut down a bunch of them. The bathhouses, you know, Plato's no, no, Retreat. Uh, you know. Open, man. I, I, I saw you come out of the rim. Right <laughs> <then. laughs> Those bathhouses were still open. I know that for a <laughs> there were play What was that, trapeze in the 17th? There was a couple of places that yeah, I yeah. never heard that they were shut down or closed. Heard, you know, not that I went there, right? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, come on. How many people died of the AIDS epidemic? Like 60 million? I mean, come on. What was that place? Well, go ahead, Bill. No, there's such humor with the names of these clubs. Well, I went to this place called The Vault. <laughs> and uh, I was a young cop, and uh, we were off duty, and I went with a couple of guys that I work with. And uh, what, what used to go on there, it was like a regular nightclub. You know, there's music playing. You can get a drink. If you wanted to dance, you could dance. But if you walked around the club behind some velvet ropes, there would be like people having sex there. Yeah. And, you know, there'll be a guy and a guy, a girl and a girl, a, um, a, guy, a, a girl and a guy, whatever you were into, you can go. So I'm walking around this place with one of my guys that I work with. You know, he's my boy, you know. Big guy, power lifter, fuck, like like over three hundred pounds, jacked. Yeah. And uh, so I'm I'm having my drink and I'm talking to him, and we're watching this little sex show go on behind the velvet rope. You couldn't come close to them, you know what I'm saying? They were they were like 15, 20 feet away doing their thing, but you were watching. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I'm talking to him, and I notice he's not really paying attention to me. So then I look down and he's jerking off. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, I gotta get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> I left right after that. Yeah, I kind of see those places. Yeah, like, no, I don't want to be standing next to you and you're jerking off. We have to put a disqualifier on this show. <laughs> the X in the corner or something. Right? <laughs> yeah, I ran right out of that place, man. Well, we had to go down to the village a few times to look for perps in, in some of the bars down there. Uh -huh. And I tell you, man, it was a little intimidating. Some of these guys were jacked. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know? Hey, let me tell you something. I had a warrant for uh, for a guy that turned out to be like a, a male hustler. He was he looked exactly like the way Will Smith looked in Six Degrees of Separation. 
You remember how he was a hustler in that movie yeah. and take advantage of gay guys? This this guy, this black guy was beautiful, man. But uh, when I when when I when I went to interview the person that he stole all this stuff from, uh, that he had the warrant from, um, he told me where I could find this guy. And let me tell, I got him, but it took me like six weeks of hanging out in gay bars. Yeah. <laughs> Morning till night. Uh, <laughs> oh, I finally got him, damn it. Yeah, he knew like all the giant Clydes, you know, all these. I loved that there was a, there was a, uh, I lived in the village for years. There was a clothing store called Fort Dix, spelled D I C. I thought it was, come on, that's humor. That's some fucking humor in that, right? Fort Dix. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Hey, you know what I wanted to say, Joe? I don't know if you've heard anything, but how about the retirement of the chief of patrol, Fausto Pichardo? You, wow. You know yes. the inside uh, thing on that or no? I don't. I don't have any inside information except that he's such a young guy uh, on the job, right? He's, he's got... No. Doesn't he have like 20-something years on? He has 21, but he's 43 years old. I'm... Yeah, I mean, he's so young on the job. The chief of department somewhere else. He, I, I think that with the, the, the way he rose through the ranks and the level he's at, how do you retire at 43 years old? I, Unless you're going to run for mayor. I did hear that he was being brought back for some other administrative position, whether a deputy mayor, deputy commissioner. You know, I, I believe... He can't work for de Blasio. That's who he had to beef with. What is well, he doing? De Blasio's done. If he runs for mayor, he's running against him. Yeah, I mean, it was reported that he was going to Miami, but I don't think that's the case. I think de Blasio is probably on his knees begging him to come back because it, it was it embarrassing. Reflects, it reflects on him. It was embarrassing. He's meddling in you know policing, and he's micromanaging. We used to think Giuliani, when he came in, was micromanaging, but it was nothing compared to what this guy's doing. Yeah, this guy you know? talked about getting calls in the middle of the night uh, regarding situations that should have just went, just called the commander of, the, of that particular yeah. precinct. What do you call him the fucking chief of the department for? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, yeah. uh, well, we had the CO of the 4-6, was it? Uh, Brea? Yeah, he was, yeah, he retired. Yeah. But that was a de Blasio thing, wasn't it? I, I That's what I thought. Well, that was when all these guys were kneeling. He was yeah, I, I, that's just disgusting. I, I couldn't do that. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I don't understand the kneeling thing, especially since you're not supposed to be in the middle. You're supposed to be neutral. Just stand there like a fucking robot. That's what they yeah. want from you. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to kneel. I don't understand the kneeling at all. I don't get it either. It, it, especially it, when you take into account that most of the people that are coming and doing the abusive stuff are not even from here. It's so embarrassing, I think, to, to us all who served in law enforcement to watch our commanders kneeling, kneeling to anything other than going into church or something. You know what I mean? Like, what, what do you mean you're kneeling in full uniform? Right. That display to me was disgusting, and he'll never live that down in my eyes. No, no, there's no way. Listen, let me tell you something. During the time of crisis, that's when you see somebody's character. Yeah. No, the only time you kneel is when you got hit with the right hand by the guy, <laughs> a boxer from Dublin. <laughs> Listen, I took a knee. I took a knee a couple times. You know, Monty Barrett, who went on to become heavyweight champ, uh, yeah. 18 years as a pro, 
Yeah, he he gave me. Uh, I took a seat when I fought him in the finals. You know. Uh -huh. And the amateurs, yeah, tough good. guy, such a great guy. We're, we're such good friends now. What kind you know? of what, what, what was the punch that got you down? Uh, you'd have to ask him because when I woke <laughs> up, it was <laughs> I wasn't worried about him. was it. No, I, I, I got up, I got up, and uh, you know, I just loved it because I knew it like Georgie Ward was the uh, the, the ref and uh, he was a correction officer, you know. I just love boxing in, in, in New York. It was just so much fun. Everyone gets to know everyone. You know who all the players are. I was looking for Monty. He was the big shit, the up and coming Tyson. And uh, we ended up fighting in the finals and, you know, make a long story short, but we, we went to the same high school. We both played for the football team. We won championships our years. So we had so much like neighborhood stuff going on. It was just cool. And now we're, we're the best of friends and we're in business together and, you know, we're doing stuff. So it's so much fun. No, that's great. That's, that's yeah. great. But I hey, listen, I want to ask you guys, because this is the thing that keeps me up at night. November 3rd, we know we're not going to know who the president is for the first time in, in God knows how long. November 3rd is the election, but by the time these mail-in ballots are, are counted, they're challenged, they're, there's all kinds of fraud that's already being uh, uncovered. What's gonna happen? I mean, you know, when I looked back in 2000, what happened there, the Supreme Court had to step in on December 12th and render that decision, Bush v. Gore. Uh, we're not even gonna have the, uh, the uh, the uh, mail-in ballots counted by December twelfth, you know, like, and then the electoral college has to meet. I looked it up. I believe it's January sixth. They have to meet and certify who the president is, who will then be inaugurated on the twentieth. We're never going to have a result by that date. Well, yeah. like, what if the the, the electoral the, the electoral college? is so definitive that no one can challenge it. Well, I mean, I, I think that's a little wishful thinking though, because we see the, the fraud that's going on right now already. There was a ballot box burned. I think if it was a legitimate election, I don't think there'd be a question that Trump would win. I mean, Biden can't get 10 people in, in a parking lot. Trump is just landing the plane and stepping out and there's tens of thousands of people. I just don't well, see it. Well, you know what? I was watching this uh, thing. It's called The American West. And uh, it's a Robert Redford uh, documentary about the, the settling of the frontier. And there was a time there where Tilden and Taft, Taft being the, uh, the Republican, um, they were, their, their election was, you know, they were like, they couldn't figure out who won. Yeah. And um, the Democrats who were basically the South, said we'll give you uh we'll give you the presidency if you get the the northern uh soldiers out of the south and the northern soldiers were there to protect what was called the resurrection and the resurrection none uh, the reconstruction and the reconstruction was there to make sure that the freed slaves got housing that they got education that they got land that they could farm that they can live a life and when they gave the Democrats gave the Republicans the presidency, 
the Republicans had to get the, the Northern soldiers out of the South. And as soon as they did, that whole reconstruction thing went down the toilet. Really? That's why we're in the situation that we're in right now is because all that land that was promised to them and all this stuff, uh, it never came to fruition. Mm. That's an interesting thing, you know, that no, most people don't even realize is that, that <laughs> that's the reason why we're in this predicament right now. Well, I mean, but what do you think as far as November 3rd? Like, where are you going to be November 3rd? What are you, are you going to watch like any any of the count? To, like, remember we sat there looking, oh, Florida went uh, to, yeah. to Trump and then Pennsylvania went. That's not going to happen. Yeah, so yeah. no, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird unless it's unless it's just overwhelming. You know, when you watch, like you said, you mentioned the response. I just saw a video before we went on tonight. I don't know where the hell he was today. <laughs> Fucking guys, like everywhere. But um, they, they, he was just taking, somebody was taking footage of them landing and or just wherever they were. They were in the air and they just, all the people lined up waiting, thousands. So it's going to be really hard um, to tell me that, you know, anything other than a Trump victory Unless, unless the, the the silent majority all of a sudden turned out to be Democrat, because it's not. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely not, and they're divided too, you know. Yeah, uh, the yeah, they got linked, man. That left, they, they snuck in there under their umbrella, and they hoodwinked the whole party. They fucked everything up, you know. The moderates, uh, you know, liberal was a word that basically meant, you know, I just don't want. Uh, the government. I want to smoke pot, basically. Yeah. And don't take this guy. Don't kill the guy. Put him in, in jail for, for uh, for the rest of his life. That's it. And liberal uh, was more libertarian, you know. You but, know, that, but liberal was freedoms, more freedoms, less government intrusion on our lives. You know, restricting police powers and restricting search warrants, and you know but, that was the more liberal approach. Yeah, they, they said liberal. Bleeding heart liberal, but it wasn't what it is now. You know, they loved America. No, totally you know, different. Liberals no. loved America, but they just loved, they wanted a different type of America with more freedoms. Now we're talking about a completely different type of America. Something where, look at, um, I, I think 50 Cent today, the, the rapper 50 Cent said, because they put up, I think, 62% under uh, Biden's tax plan, New Yorkers would get charged within his tax bracket, uh, 62%. Or maybe it was seven, uh, 62%. Yeah, that's what I think I saw. So he was like, fuck that, I'm voting for Trump. And it's like, if you have any money, you know what I'm saying? You have to be yeah. a complete moron. Yeah. Or move to a fucking state where they, you don't pay federal taxes. But how many? they're not going to be able to fit people in there anymore. People are bailing out of LA like crazy, out of New York like crazy. And all the rich people. I'm with you 100%. I don't believe these polls. I didn't believe them in 2016. And I think, you know, for two reasons. One, I think they're skewed in the way they conduct them and their selection of, of the people they use. And then I think there's also that, like, I call it the Trump factor, right? People don't want to reveal that they support Trump because they're afraid of being canceled. People, yeah, yeah. you know, getting fired from their jobs. You know, they're, they're just become outcasts. You can't imagine so, that could happen in this country. God, it's like just that. so shocking to me that our personal freedoms are in jeopardy and not even by the government, by other citizens who yeah, want to destroy culture. you. Like cancel culture. Yeah. The cancel culture. But Joe, you know what's shocking. amazing is like, why can't 
you have a friend that's a liberal and you be a conservative and why can't you just be fine with that but now they want to you know if you're a conservative I, dan rather recently said something that like i don't know the exact quote but compared republicans to rats there's a guy there's a guy who got, who lied and got fired from cbs because he made up shit against george bush you know what they should do they should take a field in every town and uh, two ballparks of fields. And right. if you're a Republican, you go stand in one field. And if you're a Democrat, you go stand in the other. And then they take a picture from up above. And whoever looks like there's more people there, that's the one who wins that particular town. <laughs> that's it. I'm going to show you something, which I have to address. Wait, let me put my glasses on. I don't know if you can see it. Try yeah. The glare. yeah, I see that. Trial lawyers, right? Yeah. Now, it's a polling station. It's hard to see. Yeah. It's a polling station, and it looks like a white cop who... Oh, it's terrible. You see that glare? It was it was coming through before, but now you moved it around too much. Yeah. Go to the other side. Yeah, there you go. Just, well, just, tell us what it, just tell us what it is, because okay. the audience will never be able to see it. Yeah, I should just send it to you. But uh, it's a polling station, and it says any big city USA. And on the left, you'll see people of color, and it says Black Voters Matter. They're holding a sign, and they're waiting outside a door that's closed, and it says back at 5 o'clock. Then there is a cop who's a big, brawny guy, white cop with a billy club out, and it says, we said no mail-in ballots. And he's standing over a black guy who's on the floor holding his mail-in ballot. He's laying on the floor. And then to the right, you see white voters only. The door is open and white people are walking in and there's no waiting. This is the New York State Trial Lawyers magazine. Wow. I I, I can't believe this. And, that, and there's even a graph on top that shows COVID cases, 6 million in red. And then it has cases in red and deaths, 200,000. But the, the arrows are not going down at all. They're up, up, up. It's false. And this is the image of the trial lawyers magazine. It says trial lawyers magazine. It's just shocking the biases that exist. And I'll tell you, like judges, lawyers who, who says subscribe to this, I mean, they're okay with this. I'm outraged. I'm writing a letter to the editors. I, I wanna do an editorial and try to get it published. How dare you? You don't represent me and my voice and I'm a trial lawyer. How big is this magazine though? I mean, there are 177,000. Is that a big magazine amongst lawyers? Uh, I'm just telling you, there's 177,000 lawyers licensed to practice in New York State. I don't know how many of them subscribe. I don't know what their subscription is, but they're lawyers. We're supposed to be unbiased when it comes to to, to elections and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I I, I just don't understand this. Like how they could. And it's so false. It's so false, but it's indicative of what we see in the media, which is all false and skewed. And now, you know, the way they have this, 
black guy on the floor holding a ballot, a mail-in ballot, and a white cop standing over him with a billy club. We said no mail-in ballots. Is that what we want to project as the trial lawyers? The lawyers, the educated people, this is what we're projecting. It's outrageous. Yeah, it seems absurd. That's what, the only reason why I'm questioning. I know how easy it is to, uh, you know, to, to create a, a website and, and to do a blog and, and, you know, post some crazy shit. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I was curious to see how many followers they have. How much is it the, the, is it the, like, for example, you know, from our job, we get the spring 3100. Yeah. Well, is that their spring 3100? That's yeah, I, it, all law offices get it. This is what you would go into a law office. You'll see it on the on the on the table, you know. Yeah, it's uh, a but but it it's you know it, the, the cover says the trial lawyer, a magazine for trial lawyers and a voice for justice. Uh-huh. Well, it sounds like they're preparing their argument already for a loss and saying that they weren't their their mail in ballots uh, ballots weren't counted. There's so much corruption with that mail in stuff. I mean, yeah. the whole thing is absurd. When you think about the, just the basic joke that they send out there, like, really? If you had a scratch-off ticket that you won, would you send it in or would you drive down to the place if it was a couple blocks away from you and, and cash it in? Yeah. I mean, th- so that's that argument is dead right there. You should go in person and vote. And like I said, I like my field idea. Let people go stand somewhere, get an overhead, and the most people, you know what I'm saying? You, you could, it's obvious, you know? Yeah. It's so funny. anyway, listen, we're, we're at a, a, an hour and 20 right now, so. Damn. And we've guys, solved most man. of the world's problems <laughs> in an hour and 20. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all the, all the guys. Can do it uh, an hour and 30. <laughs> <laughs> relieving <laughs> themselves at the strip club. I mean, yeah. that was good. Yeah. Before we close out, let's go. Let's uh, do the Patreon thing. Um, I know I did a, a good one today, man. I just wanted to pump it out to our audience. I, I got uh, Eddie Malia, Fast Eddie. He posed in Playgirl. Uh, he was on the job for five years. And um, I grew up with him in Astoria. We went to high school together. We became not cops together. We weren't like friends like that. It's just a coincidence. But yeah. it was a great, great interview. Um, I can't wait to post it up for our Patreon customers tomorrow. And uh, Bill, he's doing a, what, what, what do you got cooking over there? Well, I put, uh, actually, Joe Angie edited it for me. I had three episodes with Barbara Butcher, who was the... Um, oh, isn't she great? Barbara's fantastic. She was the chief of staff of the New York City Office of the Chief Medical Examiner. Yeah. And when you want to know someone who's an expert on death and on homicide investigation and on you know the science of, of death, yeah, he's the person. And in these three episodes, we um, talk about the Gilgo Beach serial killer. And she has some really unbelievable inside information, inside ideas about who it could be. And I hate to blow my own horn, not really, but I, but I will. And this was the best work I've ever done so far because I was, I was in homicide for 10 years, a topic I'm really, really interested in. And she's a, a brilliant, brilliant woman. So. She definitely is. I, I have the pleasure of working with her on the, <clears throat> I'm sorry, on another case, her and John Paolucci. And I'm just blown away by both of them. Yeah, they're incredible. They're, that's a whole new level of policing. Both of them are dynamite people. Yeah. So I, I, I can't I wait. To say investigation is an art 
and the science, and they they are the scientists. You know, I had the I had the pleasure of bringing Barbara up at the homicide course, and she was one of our best speakers. Yeah, it's a dynamite lady, and uh, John as well. John knows his stuff. John's incredible, man. John, and he's so soft-spoken. He's, he's such a, just so humble, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was on our he show. was a boxer. He fought my client, Stephen Lee, that the guy I'm representing on the uh, corruption thing. Okay. He fought him in a smoker. <laughs> my world is always revolving around boxing. And, and he, plays the, he plays the harmonica, too. He's yeah, a, he's a blues harmonica player. He's, good. A, he's a writer. He published a book about his horse that he rescued. I know he's called Forensics for All. And when he came on our show, we said it was Forensics for Free. (laughs) And he said, No, it's not for free, it's for all. We were like, Oh, we thought it was for free. He's so so unspoken. Like, he's so quiet. He really is. He's done so much stuff. Yeah. We have had a lot of of great guests. And you guys are doing great. My list, Joe. What do you got cooking, man? What rallies? I'm waiting until November. You know, I want to see what happens in this election. I am I'm out there campaigning for everyone. John Cummings challenging AOC. He's in an eight to one Democrat district, oh, but it's not a socialist district. And I'm out there at train stations campaigning with him. He's yeah, doing amazing. Yeah, I think he's doing amazing. George Santos and he's my be district. Oh, that's great, man. October he's a great guy. He's so pro cop. He's so yeah. pro law enforcement. I think he's gonna really, be on the show. Yeah, yeah I, I love him. I, I, I can't wait to see that show because he's going to be Tom Swazi. And I really got an axe against Tom. I supported him in that campaign against Spitzer. I liked him, but he sold us out and he yeah. needs to go. He do, he definitely needs to go. So well, I'm helping all these other candidates. What's that? Why don't you challenge him to a smoker first? And then you can... <laughs> <sighs> I, I, I'm waiting to see. I definitely want to run for something. I love campaigning. I'm out there, you know, handing out flies, meeting people, talking to people. It, it's so much fun. It's like being a cop again. You're out on patrol, yeah. meeting everybody. So I, I'm definitely going to run for something. I'm not sure. What about, um, what about Scott Lebedo? I read that he wants to run for mayor now. He made a speech at the Trump rally in Staten Island, and I said that as soon as he made that speech, this guy's running for something. He may <laughs> run. He may run for mayor, and I, I love that. him. I think he's great. Yeah, he's. he's hey, you, I, I, you guys had him on, and he was fantastic. He's another yeah. humble guy yeah, for yeah. what he does. The incredible things he does. He goes out to Texas, paints a mural for those cops. Did you settle the case against Conor McGregor yet? Was so close. I can't discuss the details, but uh, well, if I see we you are... wearing, a, wearing a top hat, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this question: Is that guy ever going to have to box again? No. <laughs> there you go. He's got so... Joe Murray. He's safe. Is <laughs> anyone well, call you Joe Mama? <laughs> Mike, he's such a great guy. I mean, when I told him I was running. Uh, you know, he's on my Facebook and he sees all this stuff. So he's like, yeah, you're calling everyone out for corruption. He goes, I may have to come in and bodyguard you while you do this thing. You know, I got to keep you safe. (laughs) He's such a good guy. Well, for all the fans that enjoy the show tonight, we're on Patreon and uh, we both produce shows uh, of private content. Um, I got one coming up that I think I'm going to unleash to to the masses. It's too good to hold back, but it, at least it'll be a draw to the Patreon. I had the chance to interview uh, Eddie Malia, Fast Eddie. He posed in Playgirl. Um, 
I think it was 1998, something like that. But uh, he wound up getting fired from the job. We hear his whole side of the story. It's a really, really funny interview. And like Bill said, he's got Barbara Butcher. Um, the uh, what was it? The Gigolo? The, 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 I, no, the Gilgo Gilgo. Yeah, I keep saying gigolo. Well, that's because Eddie Mahalia was a gigolo. It sounds <laughs> like Eddie Mahalia did very is doing very well for himself. Yeah, he's in Florida. Yeah, he's he's kicking ass down there now. Point he owned 35 houses or something. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's selling a bunch now, but yeah, he wow. did he and I respect him because you know the guy is like me in a way, like you know, uh he didn't really come up from uh he didn't have money going in, so he had a kind of sort of and you hear, when you hear the, the interview, you hear like two different sides of trying to get into the entertainment business, which is interesting. He did one way. I've chosen to do the other way. He's got 35 houses and I got 35 TV credits. So, but nothing. It was so close to superstardom with this. It's going to happen. Mark, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know something? For anyone out there that's got big coins, we need 200 large to get this podcast going in the studio to pay our engineer. Yeah. Yeah. Pay big money to Joe Murray. We just need this 200 large, and then after that, you know, we're gonna we'll be on our own, right? We'll get yep. the appetizers. Whatever you decide to run, Joe, I'm voting for you, man. You're my man. Thank you, brother. We're gonna have some fun. We're gonna we're gonna turn this city around. It, it's a disaster, city and state or state. I don't know where I'm gonna run. But. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll reach out to you tomorrow, Joe, because I want to talk to you about that project we were working on. Yes, yes, great. Uh, great just give an update, and uh, in the Good. meantime. Uh, Bill, any parting words? No, it's always great. You know, we don't even, it's like, it doesn't feel like a podcast. It just feels like we're sitting at a bar. And yeah, this is great. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, it's uh, great. It goes this so was... fast. Before you knew it, it's almost an hour and a half. You know? Amazing. And uh, well, Thank you, you know, so much. We're stuck at 29 on our Patreon. So any of you people out there that want, want to dip them in butter, it's 11 a month. Come on. We have some That's great it. Come on. There. Dip them in butter, right? That's it. Join us. Polishing my rack or, or being a bucket. Dip them in butter for 11 bucks a month. You got to go with the dip them butter. Come on. <laughs> when you people know? hear that, they, they like, I got to dip them in butter. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank okay. you guys for tuning in, man. Another great episode. On behalf of the cuff, I just want to say uh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, good luck, Joe. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Have a good night. <laughs>